Does your church have the ability to accept donations that are in cryptocurrency? And once you get that money, what would you do with it? Would you liquidate it? Would you hold on to it? Would you consider that an investment? Hi, my name is Nico Valle, and this is the Kingdom One podcast where we grow the church together. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be hearing from our very own Matt Curtis and John Hughes about cryptocurrency and the church. It's weird. Every time I say John Hughes, I just want to hop onto a uh, parade float and start singing Donkey Shane. It's so, so strange. You're probably a ministry leader or somebody uh, in the pastoral space who wants to see your church win. And here at Kingdom One, we want to do the same thing. That's why we've created something called Above Approach. It's a free sexual harassment prevention training course for your church. It is biblically based uh, and it is California compliant. That is the hardest compliance to fall in line with. And what we've uh, found is that this is something that is going to keep your ministry safe. It's going to keep your congregation, your staff, and your volunteers safe moving forward. If this sounds like something that would uh, interest you, if you want to save a couple of dollars in the HR space moving forward, go to kingdomone.co slash let's go to sign up for our free sexual harassment prevention training to save you some dollars. And while we're talking about money, uh, I think it's best to hop into today's episode with Matt Curtis and John Hughes about cryptocurrency and the church. Welcome to the Kingdom One podcast, where we grow the church together. This podcast is here to give you big ideas and help you get practical with the tactical. Here's your host. Welcome to the Kingdom One podcast. This is the podcast where we grow the church together. This week, we're going to look at some very practical um, things to think through if you're considering accepting cryptocurrency or, as we'll learn through the conversation, any other semi-risky investments or uh, donations that your organization receives. So we're going to start the conversation really not with unpacking cryptocurrency. There's There are a ton of resources out there that exist already that can help you understand what some of these things are. All of them have their own purpose, their own function, their own kind of aspiration to success. And so there's just too many to cover. And um, and frankly, it's, it's largely unnecessary for this conversation. Really, we're going to start with, should your church accept cryptocurrency as a donation? And so this week we have John Hughes, our CFO here at Kingdom One. Uh, and for those that don't know, my name is Matt Curtis. Uh, I'm over at development uh, and a few other things here at Kingdom One. And so this this idea of should we accept cryptocurrency is actually an immediate conversation with us as a nonprofit organization as well. Every time the crypto market loses its mind and skyrockets, you know, a 5,000% in an hour or whatever, people get really interested in it, in particular nonprofits. They want to know, should we be accepting cryptocurrency? So that's what we're going to land on today. And hopefully you will be able to pull the trigger on actually solving that problem in your own ministry context. So we'll start with that. Should we be accepting this as a church or a nonprofit? John, what do you think? Uh, this is always a tough question because it's it, and there's no straight answer to it. It's just going to depend on the church or the ministry. Um, I think it comes down to risk tolerance. Um, there's questions around ethics and and um, the der- derivation or where those assets are, where they're coming from. Um, and so, what is the church's um, appetite to um, be engaged in those kinds of transactions? So, for example, a church in the Bay Area may be much more. Um, ready to take those on, but the church in middle America, maybe not because of the environments they're in. So uh, there's no straight answer for anyone, but I think it's important for the churches to start thinking through this now. Ministries think through it today because um, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before the transaction happens. And if they're not answered now, it's going to, in the rush and the flurry of receiving a gift like this, it could, uh, bad decisions could be made. Yeah. It seems like most of the conversations that I'm having are 
hey, someone in our congregation wants to give. Yeah. How do we facilitate it? Mm-hmm. And so there's almost this uh, this immediacy of like they're holding this bag of virtual money yeah. and they're trying to hand it to me, but there's this wall that keeps popping up. Yeah. So, you know, as you're talking about essentially having some convictions, I, I have a bias here because I'm not... I'm not a finance guy at all. And so all of those types of risk things, I'm like, okay, here we go with the risk stuff again, you know, yeah. but, um, but it's, it's a very real conversation to have. What mm-hmm. are the assets that we're willing to take on? In a sense, you know, cryptocurrency has its own kind of reputation. I always look at it this way. Have there ever been any illegal things happening with cash? Well, <laughs> I would say there are. And so to me, I'm like, eh, you know, that that's a great way to say it. <laughs> that doesn't hold as much, yeah. but, um, but, but I think, you know, a little bit of a, maybe a different way to think of it. Let's say that somebody's donating a car mm-hmm. and you don't know what condition it's in. Yep. I mean, that's that's complicated because it may take three grand to get that thing up to running to the point where you can even sell it. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really about how much risk are we willing to take on as we accept a donation? Is that kind of a fair way to look at it? Absolutely. And, and it really is, it's around non-cash transactions. You're right. I mean, cash is, you know, you don't, especially physical cash, you don't know where it necessarily came from, but that, that is the most liquid, easy form, easy to value and easy to manage. But yeah, anything from real estate stocks can be that as well. And, and vehicles, I, I know vehicles are, can be a black hole, especially for parachurch ministries that do have vehicle fleets. Uh, your point is, is spot on maintenance, managing it, getting it up to snuff to be able to use it or to liquidate it and sell it. Do you have the, there? You have to ask a lot of questions around, is it worth it to us? Do we have the knowledge and know-how to manage this gift well to turn it into valuable ministry resources and then for whatever purpose the, the ministry exists. Yeah, that's great. We'll talk a little bit more a little later on. I want to kind of talk through this idea of selling or holding mm-hmm. because I think there's some there's some infrastructure that we can build in our organizations that help us navigate that. But I think, you know, the the point here really is if it's if it's a somewhat risky thing, you need to have a decision already in terms yeah. of what your tolerance levels are as an organization. And so yeah. we'll we'll touch on it more as we go. I think the next really practical question, I, so I think I guess maybe the conclusion for that, you know, kind of that concept, should a church accept it? I mean, it really is up to the church's t- risk tolerance. Is yeah. that kind of a fair way to? Yeah. And, and I and I would generally encourage a church to try and figure out a way to say yes. Try and figure out how to build a, pro- a process, a program, or just a um, some infrastructure around the the risk management of it. And all we're trying to do is minimize risk. We're never going to fully get away from it. But the better we think, the more we think about this, the better we think about it, uh, the easier it's going to be to say yes. People have a, genero- a heart of generosity. They want to see us as the ministry be able to receive that generosity. That's a way we can honor them as individuals and as and their giftings. So think creatively, think strategically. Uh, and don't just say, oh no, this is, we don't, we don't like crypto. We need to get out of this. There's so many tools and we'll talk about this and so many things to think about in a good way that can position you to say yes. Yeah. I love that as a, just as a goal, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've heard that even in the parenting context, you know, if, if my kid asks yeah. me something, I, I feel like I have to have a good reason to say no, otherwise <laughs> I should say yes, yeah. you know? And so, cause the, the temptation always is to drift into like, no, 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 no. For some reason that's easier. Yeah. I don't really know why, because 
it escalates the situation, you know, talk about risk management, yeah. you know, but, um, but that's a great ambition to try to be right. able to say yes to as much as you can. So then at a practical level, you know, one of the things that we've been doing uh, that John and I have been spending uh, quite a bit of time on is figuring out what mechanisms we want to leverage as kingdom one. Mm-hmm. How, how do we want to actually do this? So we've decided that we do want to do this. Mm-hmm. We feel like, you know, like I love what you're, I love the language that you're using around this too. If someone has made a lot of money in cryptocurrency, we want to honor that mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense that that's, that's their bent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's the same as like, we don't accept money from people who work in mines, mm-hmm. but we do if they work on the railroad. It's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Right. You know? And so in a, in a sense, this really is our way of saying like, we want to, we want to be able to be funded yeah. <laughs> practically by, you know, the things that people have done. And so if this is a, a train they hopped on early and they've made a ton of money, then that's fantastic. Well, and just because we don't understand it shouldn't be the reason not to do it. So we need to go understand yeah. it. We need to go understand yeah, what's yeah. going on and be engaged. And then I think we would, then we're less fearful of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So the things that we've really kind of identified, there are three different options that I think we would say um, are a good starting point to consider how you would accept cryptocurrency in your organization. And each of them really are attached to how much work you're willing to do on your end, uh, how much how much manpower you have to kind of throw at the problem. And then in a lot of ways, just your tolerance for risk, like we've talked about. And so the the three different platforms or approaches that we'll talk through, the first is Engiven, which is a relatively new um, organization that allows nonprofits to accept cryptocurrency donations. Uh, Co-Catalyst, that's one that you brought to my attention, John, that accepts everything yeah. in terms of assets. So it's, I, I, mean, I guess they probably have a money platform as well. Correct. But everything that I was looking at was, yeah, tax, uh, was uh, stocks, crypto, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is Coinbase, which is just, it's a, a major um, platform in the cryptocurrency space. It's an exchange. It's where you buy cryptocurrency. And so most people start out on Coinbase when they're going to buy crypto. And so yeah, and, it, and actually, would you say yeah, that's similar to like if the, the people that think of a stock, you know, in the stock world, that's yep. your brokerage account that you, whether yep. it be a, a Robinhood yeah, or exactly. a TD Ameritrade, that's that's what Coin, Coinbase is, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can buy crypto now. Coinbase was kind of the, um, I would say it was like the original mainstream. So there's mm-hmm. always been exchanges. There have been historical drama with, you know, enjoy the research. It's like a soap opera if you read the history of crypto, <laughs> but it's not even that old. It's like 10 years old, but man, there've been a lot of, uh, a lot of drama attached to it. Sure. But uh, Coinbase is a great place because um, it lets you, when you buy your cryptocurrency, you own what is called your keys. And again, I don't want to get into all the details, but that's different than like a Robinhood where Robinhood will hold your crypto for you. Mm. Coinbase lets you actually take your cryptocurrency and store it externally on your own you know, device, however you want to kind of handle that. But the reason I bring up uh, Coinbase, one, it's an option, but also it's actually a really, really good place to learn about cryptocurrency. Mm. They have a really robust education arm. And so if you're looking to try to actually understand what these things are, like John's saying, it's a great place to start. So as we go through these, you know, the first in, that I mentioned was in Given. And Given is cryptocurrency only. Um, there's a 4% fee to liquidate. We'll talk about fees as kind of an important part of all of these things. So what that means is if I give you $100 worth of Bitcoin and then you instantly liquidate it, so it means it'll turn it to cash and then they'll transfer it to your account, they'll take 4% of that. Mm-hmm. So in that example, they'll take $4. Um, one of the things that was really intriguing about and given for us as we were having this conversation on what we want to adopt is 
the instant liquidation. So it's kind of a funny time that we're doing this, uh, that, that we're recording this conversation because uh, two or three days ago, I woke up to a text from a buddy of mine that said, everything's down. Like, not Just like a little. a little bit down, <laughs> like 25% down. And I'm thinking, Uh-oh. what happened? And so in my head, it was kind of funny because John and I are already talking about this. Yeah. And some of the solutions are a little bit more of like, let us know that you want to give money or that you want to give cryptocurrency and then we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm playing out this scenario in my head. It's like, I was going to give you $10,000, but now that your gift mean. just lost 25%. Yeah. It's like, that's a huge gap. And so the the immediacy of liquidation is a real, real high value for me when it comes to the donation side. So if you're going to be accepting, you know, talking about risk management, I'm a huge fan of letting the donor decide how much they're going to give. And so the instant kind of donation approach really lets you let the donor decide how much they're going to give. And the markets now aren't, you know, controlling that. Um, And then if you want to hold, so as we get to strategy a little later on, if you want to hold, you can, and there's no fee for that with it given. So that's in given co-catalyst. You're a little bit more familiar with co-catalyst, John. Talk to me about what they do and yeah and i think the the co-catalyst model could be a great place for a, a a new ministry really in getting getting out of just normal cash giving could be a great place to start they facilitate the entire transaction very simple to set up and you basically work with them and they they their bay area company started by i believe a, a guy in the tech space obviously that's where everybody comes from in, in that area but um <laughs> and they they provide a really white hand treatment to the donor or white glove i'm sorry not white hand white glove treatment um to help them send the gift in, monetize it, turn it from whatever asset it is in what form, usually, you know, again, stocks, equities, hard to value assets, and then cryptos, and then convert that to cash and get it to the ministry. The plus side of this is that they take care of all the donor acknowledgements. They themselves are the the not-for-profit, so they acknowledge the gift. They report it to the IRS. Um, it's nothing that the, the ministry has to do. because, And I think it's important for a ministry to understand that if you want to get into stock uh, getting gifts of stock or equities or things like this, you need to have whether it's account like an account like Coinbase or a Charles Schwab account. You have to set that up. You have to have a board. You have to go through all of the regulation, the banking regulations that are necessary to establish those accounts, maintain those accounts, and transact that business. So if it's if you're a one man shop or just a very small ministry that wants to be able to position yourselves for this, that's a lot of work. Takes a lot of knowledge and know how to navigate the system well and efficiently. Whereas a co-catalyst, man, you sign up and within five, 10 minutes, you got the button on your website and you're ready to receive gifts and they take care of it all for you. And and really that the the price that they offer it at 2.75, that's their cap. I mean, they are, from my understanding and, and work, talking with people that have utilized them before, they really work hard to keep that cost down because they recognize these are dollars that go back into the not-for-profit space and they're just really trying to cover their costs. And at 2.75% plus some transaction fees, it might actually be cheaper to do that than to use your own team or staff unless you have a volunteer base that can handle it. This could actually be a very cheap option for you, even though if you're thinking about 2.75% plus transaction fees, that's a lot. You're going to pay transaction fees no matter what, depending on the platform you're utilizing. And 2.75%, again, that covers the cost of labor, covers the cost of time. As a consult, as one who's done consulting before and in this space, my time is going to be a lot more expensive than two point seven five on five thousand uh, dollars. I'll guarantee that. So I think that's a great intro act, entry level place uh, for and where a lot of ministries and, and churches, if they need to get into this, can live. Yeah, that's a great 
um, that's a great starting point. I think, mm-hmm. you know, even as, as we're thinking through the scale of your organization, you know, that's really the factor that determines a lot of this. There's mm-hmm. a tendency in the church space to say, Hey, so-and-so is doing this, or, Oh, did you see this big old church over here? They're doing that. Well, the reason they're doing that is because it's it's either compatible with their systems and yeah. infrastructure, or they have the manpower. Yeah. I mean, it's you you can't compare the details and nuances of circumstances just by looking at the tool that people are using. Right. And so, that's really why we do take the agnostic to technology or agnostic to mm-hmm. tools, you know, approach. But that's even why we're having this conversation right. because you know what what in given might do for one organization. Co-catalyst is actually going to do better for another, yeah. and vice versa. And, and so, and the church, one of the churches I know that's in that is a really large church. They're they're big, like they're not small by yeah. any means. They have people that have the ability to do this and know how. But we got to remember, like churches and ministries, this our lanes are not finance. Yeah. Our lanes are not investing. And so, to be able to keep the church focused on what's necessary, not get distracted by these other things. You know, again, uh, you know, there's other tools like this out there. But I think that's the the bigger picture. Let's not get distracted from our mission and ministry by uh, some of these tools. Now, if you're a thirty, forty million dollars uh, organization with a you know ten million dollar investment portfolio, totally different conversation. Yeah, well, it's funny that even leads a little bit to to Coinbase and what it is. You can create an account on Coinbase, mm-hmm. and you can you can do all the custodial stuff and the management of the cryptocurrency on your own. Yeah, uh, there there is a little bit of. Um, of expertise that's needed that may or may not be common in your church, yeah. you know? And so if the, uh, if the starter of one of these coins goes to your church, then, okay, maybe you have the volunteer you need to be able to do self custodial and navigate all that Lucky stuff. You. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. But if you're listening to this podcast saying, they like, keep saying cryptocurrency and how is that different than crypto? Like then that probably that skill set's not, you know, that's not the right solution right. for you to go as manual as possible. And so, Coinbase is a third option. Um, if you feel that you are savvy in this space or you feel comfortable kind of getting into that, um, they have a they have a, a corporate, basically their Coinbase business. Uh, at one point, they were they were working on uh, nonprofit stuff that was harder to find on the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my recent searches, they've gone public, and so they're a different organization today than they were prior to going public. And so, um, so it's a place that you can look into in terms of trying to minimize all fees at all costs, but you really have to to keep in mind, you know, like John's saying, like the amount of time that it takes to save money <laughs> is often usually very costly. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of these platforms that do a lot of that work for you. I want to be able to receive these gifts, but I don't want to have to then do all of the legwork that essentially burns through the value of the gifts just by yeah. receiving them. So, and you're right with that instant liquidation. We'll come to that, but that's a huge, huge asset. Like I think that a caught the cost. And we, and I think for, let's define that a little bit. The instant liquidation means that you're not susceptible to the ups and downs of the market. And so a 4% fee to get instant liquidation, while you may lose on maybe some transactional dollars, you may save yourself five, six, seven, 8%, depending on the, you know, a two day change in the market. So that, that's really, really important. Yeah. And in case it's not clear, cryptocurrency is really approached like a currency. And so really think of it like you're trading from euros to dollars. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm giving Bitcoin, I'm trading from Bitcoin to dollars. And so the liquidation is as soon as I submit my donation to the organization, 
it is then converted to dollars from whatever currency. So from Bitcoin to dollars. And that happens instantly as soon as I, you know, submit. And so so that's that's what we're talking about when we talk about instant liquidation. Mm-hmm. It just means that it's being converted. You know, we've we're at the teller window in the airport Great way <laughs> getting to put it, yeah. ripped off on our, you know, <laughs> on our exchange or whatever. But um, but yeah, that, so that's that's what that's about. And that's yeah, that's a, a value we'll get to in yeah. just a second. Um, the other thing I just wanted to touch on briefly, um, in a lot of these different uh, types of of solutions, there are fees, and you know we've talked about percentage of this, percentage of that, this kind of transaction fee. You really want to be attentive when you're choosing a solution because there are some that look very good on on paper, but as you dig deeper, they're not as good. And those are not the three that we talked about. <laughs> there are some others that are um, fairly popular that. As I've looked into them, their fees are exorbitant. Mm-hmm. And so their transaction fees are really low, but then there's a monthly fee. Or there's no monthly fee, but then the transaction fees are really high. And so you're really looking for, you're trying to collect all of the fees when you're making this assessment. So what is it that is the total cost that you're that you're looking at? And so as I was looking, the things that I found were monthly fees. So there's a subscription that goes to you know this organization, whatever, it's $25 a month to have a whatever account. You know, so that that's that's a subscription fee or a monthly fee. Then you're, there's your transaction fee. So, in the case of in given, it's four percent if you're liquidating. In the case of CoCatalyst, it's at most two point seven five percent. So those are those transaction mm-hmm. fees. Or um, and and then there on top of that, then there's the cost of transaction itself. And so there will be a cost even within given, even with CoCatalyst, just the transaction of money, the ACH yeah. transfer. There's going to be a small fee yep. that's attached to that. It's the banking costs. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what crypto's rebelling against is these <laughs> silly, you know, these silly banking costs. Um, but but I think that's those are just the fees that we've looked at and that we've seen as we're going yeah. through it. And so just be attentive to the fact that. You're gonna want to spend a little bit of time glancing through contracts. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna want to spend some time really looking at you know the way I look at it is I look at multiple pages on the website. You know, find the pricing page, but then look and see if there's a tier beyond the twenty five a month that also <laughs> says seven percent. And you know, you know those all that little fine text at the bottom of the website. <laughs> Read that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. This is a, <laughs> That's this where is a it's all hidden. Advice. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because people like me are afraid of that section of the right, website. Right. So, but but as you're as you're looking to get into something like this, just know and and the three that we that we mentioned and given CoCatalyst and Coinbase, there weren't hidden fees that we had found. Right. They were very upfront and they're very clear. And we read through the small print, mm-hmm. the very tiny print. Um, and so th- that's a, a piece of why they're even a part of this conversation. But if you're looking for something that's different than these three, just make sure that you're doing your your due diligence, as they say. Okay, so the big question I think is we've we we've won the day. All of the churches and and organizations that are listening to this have now signed up to something and they're able to accept cryptocurrency. So so do we hold it or do we hodl it as the insiders say because <laughs> it's going to the moon or or do you sell it? What what is your thought uh in terms of, you know, we're thinking risk management, we're yeah. thinking Honestly, we're just thinking wisdom. We're thinking fueling our organizations because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, giving isn't just so that we line pocketbooks. Giving is, it's the fuel that powers 
the change that our organizations are hoping to accomplish in this world. Right. Yeah. And there's like, there's so many ways we could go in talking through this. So, you know, if you're a small organization, you need those dollars in the bank, low risk, low volatility, you know, not changing from day to day. That's your game. You know, get out of it. Don't hold it. Don't play the market. I mean, if you're, even if you're a, an organization that has an appetite for investing and, you know, keeping some dollars for growth or income yields, things like that. Usually not-for-profits take a very risk-adverse approach. They have a very narrow strategic focus on how to manage their assets to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Now, a, a larger institution higher education, foundations, things like that, they may want to hold if given because they've got a, you know, that that depends on the, really what the donor's intent with the gift. They may say, look, I want you to have this 200, $500 million, but you can't use it for 10 years. Or it needs to be, I want the income off of this to go towards scholarships or something like that. Well, then you have a little bit more of a broader time horizon, maybe a little higher tolerance to grow the assets. But in the case of Bitcoin, that may not be a great, uh, option because it doesn't spin off income. You can take a higher risk investment that's going to give you an annual yield, 10, 12, 15%, because it's a heck of a lot better than the 0.3 that you're going to get in your savings account. And, and and that's where you would probably find a hold strategy. So general, my unsol- you know, just unsolicited opinion is get it, get rid of it. Don't hold it. There's not, a, it's not worth it. You know, I've just watched, just looking this morning, it's down 6%. That's a huge hit to any gift uh, if you're holding the portfolio and it brings a it, it's not a great way to honor the giver uh, in the amount that they give. So if they are, they're giving these resources to the ministry and, and uh, uh, with the understanding that they're going to be deployed and used for that missional purpose, then let's get it into the, ter- the, the form of uh, a functional value doesn't just have to be dollars, but something that's a bit more um, tolerable or uh, risk adverse that's going to help propel the ministry forward. Uh, because if we just lose money to the uh, daily fluctuations of the market, that's probably not going to be good stewardship. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a great perspective. So f- for me, I come at it from just the individual, like I'm interested in cryptocurrency perspective. The The fluctuations for those that hold cryptocurrency are a part of the, a part of the game. Yeah. And so in a lot of way, I mean, in fact, we're we're so warped in our thinking that we'll just say, "Oh, Bitcoin's on sale today." Like that's the way that these major dips are perceived oh by many gosh. in the in the. <laughs> yeah, that's we're not CFOs. I mean, maybe some are. I don't know, but but what's interesting is that that's a that is a a kind of counter position to the way I think. I, so when I put on my Kingdom One hat, I look at it the opposite. I look at it as. I really want to liquidate this as quickly as possible because we're not in the business of investing right. in kind of financial things. Like I'm looking at how much how much money could be. So if if someone gives us a Bitcoin, whatever the value is, because I, I, I would check, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it'll change so quickly, you know. But but whatever that amount of money is, in my head, I think man, how much ministry can we deploy? Yeah. How many more, you know, we're, we're in the midst of this major R&D project, which I'm super excited about. We're going to be kind of talking about that more in the future, but that's going to be a real tangible, practical benefit mm-hmm. to the Capital C Church. Well, us holding Bitcoin's not. Mm-hmm. So that it's it's just off mission for us. Yeah. And so well, th- that for me is really that filter to to push me towards that instant liquidation side 
even though I'm comfortable in the space of cryptocurrency individually, I just think organizationally, I don't love it from that perspective, you know. There's so much conversation around the economics of it too. And and one of the challenging things that I think if you're new to even the investing space, and there's been so much attention on this in the last, uh, you know, five months, thanks. Thank you to, um, uh, GameStop. Uh, but is that, what is the value behind it? I mean, that uh, being able to be knowledgeable. And I think, you know, there's a great point for a disclaimer here. We're not advising anything. Like we're not telling you to do anything or we're not advisors in this space. So get advice, get help. I mean, even to try and do it on your own is risky. This is a risky thing to do. So, you know, I, if you follow anything from, um, um, Berkshire Hathaway, Charlie Munger's the, the right hand man of, um, Warren Buffett, he's like anti-crypto because from an economist standpoint, there's nothing behind it. It's it's a perceived value instead of real value. As much whether you like Ford or GM or whatever, they're actually making something. Even Tesla, like Tesla's doing something that has value that creates the value of that equity. Bitcoin is a little bit different in that regard. So, and that's where the difference comes into play and the tolerance and. I well, personally, I probably won't put money in Bitcoin. I'm not a fan of it for a lot of those reasons, but that's okay. It's a personal decision. But so institutionally, as you're thinking as an organization, you've got to be even way more sensitive to those things because it's a par- all part of your image and what people perceive about you. So, yeah, a little side tangent. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, and I I love it. I think it's a that's a super. Uh, kind of a rational take, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I do think it applies to all assets, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if too much real estate is being held by a church, like that's weird. Yeah. Like, are you, are you planning on building there? Like, yeah. is that like the future home? Like, I don't really understand why you're holding these things on your, you know, on your ledger or whatever. Like I just call the, ba- those called a balance sheet. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're yeah. Welcome. yeah. In, <laughs> in cryptocurrency, it's called a ledger. So yeah. Still goes on the balance <laughs> but, sheet. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but like those those are the kinds of things where you really want to you want to figure out what is the mission yeah. of the organization what are we trying to accomplish yeah and does holding this really help us or not right. and so those are the I, I even as I think through it I can't really think of a time when I would recommend holding to an organization now there are for profit businesses that are a different conversation yeah. but when it comes to an organization that is fueled the ministry is fueled by the donations of people I just I don't understand where we wouldn't kind of instantly liquidate. But again, that's your call to make with your crew of people, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's also, it may be something to, to have clearly spelled out so that if a donor comes to you and says, I want to give you crypto, you say, great, here's our practice. Here's our method of methodology around it and what we do. And they may say, oh, that's so great. We love it. Or, hey, I'd love for you to be able, you know, then it's a conversation. I think these kinds of gifts are not transactional, like somebody passing the plate in your church. These are the people you have relationships with, you should be talking to and understanding what's going to happen because they need to understand it. You need to understand it. You may even want to know, like, where did you come up with this or how did you get it? That may be a fair question to ask. But at the other side of it, they may come back and say, oh, I'd rather see you hold it for a year but and then sell it. Then I I think then the conversation, then it's a different conversation. And then maybe you do hold it for that purpose or, but that, again, that's a whole, that's a tangent and that's yep. probably going to be an isolated incident. Yeah. And yeah, those are really the one-on-one conversations, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, those who hold crypto are comfortable with the risk of it. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways to me, I would, I'd probably have that conversation and just say, well, you know what, how about you keep holding it then yeah. and come back to That's us in a year the, rather well, than putting that, right. you know. And the tax implications, and I know I'm jump, probably jumping ahead a little bit, if they, if they, oh, it gets volatile, you know, they give, they're able to give, I think on the basis of their, um, on their 
their their uh, actual buying basis. So if they it's called the cost basis. So if they buy crypto at you know thirty grand today and it shoots up to forty grand, they give it tomorrow or the next day. They're still giving what to them is thirty thousand dollars of asset. I, I think it allows them to avoid or I don't know. I maybe I, I have to go back and double check my my knowledge on this. You know, it, it, they they the donor is going to be mindful of the tax implications on their side, basically. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, that's good. And I that's really kind of the last kind of element of this is what are the reporting and the tax yeah. implications of a gift like this? And it really is common across multiple assets that are not, you know, cash. Um, and so that's, that's the last piece of it. I, I will say sort of as a caveat, again, a part of why we recommend, you know, two out of the three would be, you know, in given or co-catalyst is that they're navigating those things yeah. for you and with you. And so you're not sort of hung out to dry. If you're going the Coinbase route where you just do this all on your own, like, I mean, good luck. Like there's, there's a lot of implications in terms of reporting and, yeah. and all of that, even for the individual. I mean, yeah. the, the theory behind a lot of cryptocurrency is that you buy it, it goes up in value, and then you're just spending off of it. Well, every time you're spending, it's a it's a tax complexity. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really terrible way to do day-to-day -day transactions. And so maybe that changes if legislation changes. But functionally, right now, it's just not a day-to-day -day spend mm -hmm. that's tax-friendly. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're stepping into that space, you know, in a way. Large transactions, that's a lot easier because you're now not saying, what did I spend for Starbucks four, four months ago? I think I spent some, was it? Bitcoin or was it Dogecoin? Like what? I don't even remember what I, you know, it's like, it's just, it's a mess yeah. to navigate all that. And so when it comes to the reporting side, you know, uh, obviously we, we love these organizations that are helping do the, the, yeah. the lifting, the heavy lifting with us, but anything, you know, from your perspective on the reporting. Yeah. And I'll just, some of this is just, this is just big picture. You need to do this in any case, anytime you get a gift, not of cash is you need to receive you're going to obviously want to acknowledge that gift to the donor or that donor is going to need some type of acknowledgement and because it's not cash it, you it's not the ministry's place to value it so even if they gave you 100 shares of apple today you don't say thank you for 3000 or whatever the you know value is of that $300,000 contribution you say thank you for 100 shares of apple on such and such a day it's you know we do not place a value on it that's up to you based on the transaction timing and all that stuff. So we we acknowledge as ministries the quantity of the gift, not the value of the gift, because that requires appraisals. Uh, it requires a, a set of knowledge that we would then have to have to be able to assign a value to it. Now, that and that's the case for real estate. That's the case for you know, boxes of t-shirts. That's the case of anything that's not cash related. Um, however, especially in the vehicle space, and this is where real estate or real property starts to come into play. And I think crypto is starting to fall into this is there is some tax, tax filing information that you do have to send off to the IRS that says we did receive this. The you know, approximate value was over $5,000 or it's $5,000, $6,000. Uh, and then that donor gets a copy, copy goes off to the IRS. So there are tax reporting requirements to acknowledge uh, to them the, the uh, transaction of real property. So those are the two major implications. As far as that, you know, whether it's income tax or things like that, you know, the, there really isn't much um, tax implications or reporting implications on a day-to-day -day basis when you receive these kinds of gifts. Now, if you're in, a, in an organization that requires an audit or a financial statement review, then you're going to have different reporting requirements. 
Um, I we will not I will not go too far into that, but you have to. There's three layers uh, that you have to be able to report your the fair market value of assets. Layer three is the most difficult. It gets a little as they get easier. You move up to layer one, uh, level one, and so be, if you do have an audit, you are getting into this space. Consult with your CPA firm. Let them know what you're planning on doing. I think it's wise to get ahead of it. Don't wait until they show up for audit field work and you're like, oh, by the way, we have a hundred Bitcoin and we don't really know what we're doing it's going to be a mess because they're not only going to look at how you how you transacted the 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 gift they're going to have to start looking at your internal control environment some of your process and policy documents it's going to be a whole different ball game so this is going back to where we started plan ahead think ahead answer the questions today and that, and I think one of the other things that we maybe this kind of circles back a little bit on that buy hold. If you find yourself going into the hold space, talk with your board. Make sure your board's on board with that. No pun intended. But a a hold. If you're in a hold world and you want to hold assets um, and trade on them, that's fine. But typically, the board's going to want to establish an investment committee. The investment committee is going to need a um, a, a set of documents. It's called the investment policy statement. That's going to that is going to talk about how, what, and when all the transactions occur. It is the game plan for managing a portfolio, and that is a very very important process to go through. And for a board, they have fiduciary responsibility. They need to be in in the know on all of these things. So. Board members, leaders of ministries, please, please, please keep your governing body informed because they are the the ones in the eyes of the state in the in the law that carry the fiduciary responsibility for all these things. So don't put them in a bind. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds like the the highest priority with with any of this stuff is just being transparent yeah. with your team, with your board, um, making sure that your donors have a very clear understanding of your practices. Yeah. I think sometimes we fall into this space of, I would just kind of call it a scarcity mindset where we're so worried that we're not going to get enough that when somebody comes to us with a donation, we say, well, we'll figure out how to make it work. Yeah. When the reality is that's going to back you into corners that maybe you don't want to be backed into. Correct. And so by having this overt conversation ahead of time, hey, how do we feel about cryptocurrency in terms of receiving it? Mm-hmm. Are we good with that? Okay. Who yeah. do we need to be in conversation with to make sure that all of our, you know, all of our decisions being made in the building of accepting process, how do we how do we make sure everybody's on the right page? Yeah. And so the the instant liquidation helps with removing a lot of the complexity of Absolutely. long-term strategy. When do we sell all of that? And so that's a that's a pretty easy and simple way, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't include these parties still mm-hmm. because they need to be involved in that process because it helps them really, I mean, own the responsibility that is theirs, which is, you know, to care for these areas. Yeah. So uh, one thing that we, we've kind of danced around, but I just want to say it overtly because we were talking the other day as we were kind of preparing for this. And I just, I think it's such a great um, insight. Uh, risk, uh, the role of risk management really often, not always, but often, the more you pay, the more risk that others are willing to incur. Correct. And so as you're thinking about that, I mean, that really applies to, to most tools. So if you're, if you're going with a website provider or builder, the more you pay often means they're going to do more heavy lifting, whether that be through support when you break something, maybe they're building modules for you, whatever it is. And so the same is true here. If you're if you're going with an organization that does pay more money, you know, we keep looking at the bottom line. What's the lowest percentage? Mm-hmm. What's the lowest fee? So even the companies that I've mentioned where they have a really high fee, there might be a real value for that fee. And so don't be scared off by these initial numbers. Instead, think through what is it that this organization's doing, not in terms of even just the functional like paperwork, 
work, mm-hmm. but what risk are they managing for you yeah. or are they carrying for you? Well, and, and I mean, in, in it, to connect the dots and a lot of people don't really recognize this. That's what insurance is. That all, all your insurance is, is the, is the movement of the risk of an issue or the financial risk of an issue onto somebody else. And so there's that, if you're thinking in that space, there's like, well, and, and unfortunately we ha- we're required to have work comp or in some places required to have, um, our, uh, building insurance, but we keep those things. We pay a small amount or a, a portion of money so that we don't get hit with something really, really expensive down the road. And so it's just the movement of risk onto somebody else. Um, and then the, again, that we can save that for a whole nother podcast. That's a really fun topic yeah, and how to leverage, great. how to leverage. And these are, cause these are tools. And so how do we leverage these yeah. tools for ministry protection and ministry um, creation? So yeah, the, the it, don't pay too much. You know, you want to be able to know what you're paying for, but yeah, I mean, the general, Generally speaking, the more you pay, the less your work you're going to have to do and the lower risk is involved. That's great. Yep. So that's what we have in terms of kind of helping break down the the, the thinking around should you get involved in the being able to receive. Um, I know I've gotten a handful of questions about this from different churches, and I feel like the best way to resolve that is to just share what we know yeah. in terms of how you go about that process. And so if there are questions that we didn't uh, didn't answer, obviously reach out to us, connect to us on socials, Kingdom One, or uh, my email is matt at kingdomone.co, john at kingdomone.co. And so we're happy to kind of help navigate this space. It's a real interesting space. Yeah. And when the market's up, it's an exciting space. And when the market's down, it's a tragic space, but it's uh, it's exciting and there's always something to talk it's a, about. It's but definitely evolving every day. Even in the, CPA, right, in the right. CPA land, we get notifications and all kinds of stuff about how to, how to account for these things. So it's a, yep. it is a new frontier for us. Kingdom One family, thanks for stopping by for another podcast. Today has been such a learning experience. My biggest takeaway was understanding there are third-party applications that are going to allow you to translate your cryptocurrency that understands the tax implications and also the reporting. This is so huge. So don't do this alone. Uh, There are some links in the show notes that will allow you to check out those uh, third-party applications so your church can be safe, secure, and reporting these things properly. If you have any questions for me or any uh, suggestions for the podcast, you can email me directly at nick at kingdomone.co. Just also consider me your plug for anything Kingdom One oriented. Uh, We love to hear from you. Uh, We're so glad that you're tuned into this podcast. And uh, finally, if you would give us a rating wherever you're listening to this, this would help other ministry leaders find this resource as well. Until we chat again, let's grow the church together.